this week we are going to be carrying on in our Church on Fire series, which has been going on for a very long time, as Dizzy told us last week. Um, and we're going to be continuing in Acts. So if you want to get your Bibles opened, Acts 4 is where we're going to start. And this week is all about being passionate in prayer. And I knew I was talking for a while, like I've seen the rotor, and I checked the rotor a few weeks ago when um, I was figuring out what I was, gonna, what I was preaching on. And it said, passion in prayer, and I thought, how ironic that the past few weeks I've really been struggling with my prayer life and I'm preaching on <laughs> prayer. So um, the Lord is funny, isn't he, sometimes? So that's what um, I'm going to be talking about this morning. And I want to talk to us this morning kind of on two levels of how, firstly, how we pray together as a church, so how we do stuff like the furnace and how we pray together on Sundays. But I also want to talk about how important it is um, having our own prayer life and how we pray by ourselves. And the topic is really, really vast. I'm so aware of that. And that's been my biggest struggle this week. Um, and I'm not even covering a smallest fraction of it. But I've chosen today to kind of bring some reflections that I have on the passage we're going to read and also some reflections on how to pray and what it's like when prayer feels really hard which is my experience at the moment. So we're going to start in Acts 4, and we're going to go from verses 23 to 31. And the kind of context of this, um, which is what Dizzy spoke about last week, was that Peter and John got told off for healing a man, I think, and basically got put in prison for it. And then the religious leaders were like, you, we're going to let you go, but don't talk about Jesus anymore. Um, and then they, Peter and John go back to their their people, and they explain this. So, I'm going to read it to us. I've just read, yeah, I do have it here. So, Acts 4, verses 23 to 31. Here we go. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by your Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And this is a quote from a psalm. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with, with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place was shaken. Sorry, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And it's what an amazing prayer meeting that sounds like to be part of. Um, and I kind of thought, as I was reading this, it gives us a really good model of how to pray together as a church when we're facing difficult times. And so how I want to like, pitch this to you is to kind of go through the verses and just pull out some stuff that um, yeah, I was learning about when I read it. So the first verse I want to start on is verse 24, which says this. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and the, I'm probably this guy, I'm this guy, and everything in them. Yeah, that's it. And I love this because if you think about the context of this, they've just been told that they can't talk about Jesus anymore. They were put in prison. They come back and tell their people. And the first thing they want to do is pray. So their response to this opposition, this kind of, you can't do what you're put on this earth to do anymore, is to pray. It is to contend and ask God, what are you doing? Come on, help us, Lord. I love that. And I, and I wonder, as, for us as a church, like, 
what kind of stuff are we contending for? What things will we not sit quietly about when we're told to shut up? What are the things that we're going to stand up and contend in prayer for? And the second, verse 24 is a good one. I've got three points on this one. Verse 24, I love, <laughs> where it says, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. They raised their voices together. So they weren't sat around in a circle, taking it in turns to pray. That's my preferred style of prayer, but they weren't doing that. They were all praying together in one voice. They were all speaking at once. Andy calls this Korean style, but maybe it's actually just early church style. Maybe that's what we're supposed to be doing. But there's power when the church prays together, all at once when they pray in agreement for the same thing. That's when the Holy Spirit comes. And this is why the furnace is the most important thing that we do as a church. It is a thing that is so instrumental to the impact that we'll have on our town. As we spend time crying out for God to move, to transform, to restore, he listens and he answers. Prayer is so powerful and we see that in this passage. And as we move on from 24, still got a bit of 24 in, we're going 24 to 28. And I love this because before they actually ask God to do anything, they are reminding themselves who he is before they begin to ask. So they're, they're recalling to mind, who is God? Who is this God that we're praying to? Firstly, they remind themselves that God is their creator. They say, you made the heavens and the earth and the sky and everything in them. You made us, you made this world. That's who we're praying to. They also remind themselves that God speaks through people that follow him. I say in verse 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. God uses his people and he speaks through them. They're reminding themselves of that. And they also remind themselves that God ultimately has the power. He is the one who reigns. He has power over the <coughs> leaders and the people that, that are, we're under. He has the ultimate power over them. It says in verse, I think it's 20, 29, no, sorry, no, 28. It says, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Ultimately, that God has the power, and they reminded themselves of that. They clarified their vision of God before they even asked him of any, anything. They were acknowledging who he is, acknowledging his power. I need to do that before I pray. So often I just start praying and forget who I'm even talking to or acknowledging who he is. And then verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're praying for their enemies in that verse. They're asking the Lord to consider the threats of their enemies, to consider the fact that the religious leaders have told them that they can't speak about Jesus. They're not asking God to destroy the threats, but they're asking for boldness to keep speaking about Jesus and that God would do miracles through them. They're not asking God for revenge miracles. They're asking him to do miracles of mercy that ultimately he would show himself to their enemies. What a model of, opposition, what a model of how to respond in opposition, to pray for our enemies. So often we just pray the opposite, don't we, that the Lord would shut them up. <laughs> in the last verse, verse 31, this is where it gets a bit crazy. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were filled, where they, I keep getting... After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. The place where they were meeting was shaken, actually shaken. I've never been to a prayer meeting like that. I've quite, I feel like it would be a bit terrifying, but that, that is what happened here. When they prayed, the Holy Spirit came and it physically shook the room that they were in. 
And what a picture of the power of God. When the Holy Spirit moved, it shook the room and it filled them to be able to speak boldly about who he is. I want some of that in our prayer meetings. When I wrote that verse, it really reminded me of, um, you know, the James Bond thing that he likes his martini shaken, not stirred. And I mean, the Lord speaks to me in weird ways. I felt the Lord say, Beth, you always pray that God would stir your passion, that he would stir your faith, that he would stir your heart. But maybe actually what you need is shaking, that you would wake up to his power and realize that actually when he fills you, he enables you to speak the word of God boldly. It's not timid. For us as a church, this kind of, sorry, no, I've, I've skipped. Through these verses, I've just spoke about a little model of how we, how we can pray together. And through those verses, we see what it's like to be a church on fire that is passionate in prayer, what it looks like and how they do it. So firstly, in their opposition, when people tell them to be quiet, they don't let it hold them back. They respond in prayer. Secondly, when they begin to pray, before they even ask God to do anything for them, they clarify their vision of who he is and say, God, you are powerful and you reign, and we know that you will answer our prayers. Thirdly, they pray for their enemies, and this is the hard one, but they pray that ultimately God would use them to show their enemies who God is. And lastly, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and realised that it's only through him that they can speak the word of God boldly. And for us as a church, that means committing to pray together, to come to the furnace on a Wednesday, realising that that is the most important thing and the most powerful thing to do as a church is to pray. And the reason we pray is because ultimately we want to see our vision in action. We want to see um, Felton transformed. We want to see people come to know Jesus. We want to see families brought back together. We want to see the full restoration of our town. That is why we pray on Wednesdays. It's not just to kind of keep a box ticked because we actually want God to answer the prayers. And being passionate in prayer is more than praying with others in our community. And this is kind of going to go into a bit more about personal prayer. Being passionate in prayer is formed in our own relationship with God, in our own communion with him, spending time with him, spending time in his presence and praying with him. And it is a gift to be able to talk to God, to be able to have that relationship with him. And the only reason we can have these relationships with him is because God, our creator, sorry, to have a relationship with God, our creator, is because of Jesus As creation, we've constantly turned away from God and said, no, I don't want to go your way, Lord. I want to do my own thing. And because of this, we couldn't know God. But God, in his love for us, sent his son, Jesus, to earth to be the perfect sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of everything we've ever done. And through his death, he died on a cross for us. And he rose again. He he conquered death. We sung about this morning. And he rose to life again. And that means that we can now know God as a father and our creator. We can talk to him. It's only through Jesus that we get to have these amazing relationships. It's the sheer grace and love of God that we get to be in relationship with him. I love that. I need to be reminded of that sometimes. (laughs) I want to tell you a story about mine and Luke's pursuit. Luke doesn't even know I'm going to talk about this. I want you to tell a story about mine and Luke's pursuit. I wish it was. Since I want to tell you a story about Mindling's Pursuit in becoming the ultimate millennials who are curating a beautiful jungle in their home that exists in harmony with the other bits of furniture that we've collected. Also, I need to say thank you, Sam Millard, for donating two armchairs to us when all me and Luke had to sit on was the floor. And we still have them, and they're great. But this is kind of our aim. 
Luke, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this is, this is our aim. <laughs> and whilst we've been trying to do this, we've been, we've been bought a few plants and we've bought some plants ourselves. And this is what they look like when we first bought them. So we've got this little kind of cactus guy, he's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> the second one is an aloe vera plant. The third one is a little spiky plant we got from Tesco. And the last one might be in some of your own homes. It's from Ikea and it's a big spiky plant. That's what it looked like when we bought them and we're kind of, this is the start of our jungle. And this is what they look like now. So the first one, <laughs> our little cactus has grown into a brown, big spiky thing. The second one, our aloe vera is also turned into a brown spiky thing. The little spiky plant, the next one. It's doing okay, but it looks like it needs a bit of attention underneath. It needs a bit of whatever it's called, taking the dead bit out. And the last one has absolutely no hope. <laughs> what happened with this one is that we had it in our house and it looked great for a few months and then it started to go brown and I thought, do you know what, I remember, I remember doing science back in the day, I know that plants need light and they need water, I'll take it outside, put it in the garden and it will revive itself, did not happen as you can see, um, they've gradually turned brown. We basically didn't know what to do with them. Um, Luke really, really tried. I have to commend him on that. <laughs> um, yeah, we did try, but we didn't really know what to do with them. They got a bit neglected. And the world definitely took its toll on them, especially that one. It's still, we've still got it in the garden. It's just still there. Um, they're not dead, but they definitely look a bit worse for wear. And often, that's what my prayer life feels like. I want to have this beautiful relationship with God where I never stop praying. But it always seems to be the first thing that goes when I feel stressed or unsure or if I'm doubting my faith. However, I was washing up the other day and that crazy cactus plant, this one, um, it was on the windowsill when I was washing up. And I, again, weird, but I felt like the Lord spoke to me through it and... When we first got that plant, someone bought it for us, and it was really, really, really small. Like, it was, in a really, it was in a smaller pot than that. It was tiny. We have not looked after it for the past two years. But it has grown into this weird brown spiky thing. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said to me, Beth, sometimes you absolutely neglect me, and you don't talk to me, and you don't nurture our relationship. But actually, I still grow. I still grow you. I still grow our relationship. I'm still working, even when you're not. His grace covers us, even in those moments when we really should know better. I love that about God. And as I spoke about in the summer, prayer can especially feel hard um, when you feel like God's not answering your prayers. And I found this amazing Christian meme account this week, um, which, that how, that's how my prayer life feels sometimes, if you can see it. <laughs> Follow it, it's really great. Um, but in the midst of this struggle, and I have been finding prayer really hard over the past few weeks, in the midst of this struggle, I've also been really encouraged. I got to the point a few weeks ago where I was like, I feel like I've genuinely forgotten how to pray. Like, I start praying, I forget what I'm praying about, I get bored, I get distracted, and ultimately, I just don't want to do it sometimes. I got to the point of desperation where I was searching our house for books on prayer to kind of stimulate me again. And I found this one that Luke's got called How to Pray by um, Pete Gregg. And it is so refreshing. I would like 100% like recommend it if you're struggling to pray at the moment. 
I've been so encouraged every time I've picked it up. And I've just been reading a little bit in the morning sometimes. And it's just like boosted my faith and like remembered that prayer works and that it's a really amazing thing and it's an amazing part of our um, be, of being a Christian. And one bit I loved, which I'll read to you in a few moments, but it's about those times when you're praying and you're not even sure if what you're praying is making sense. You might like say a few words, get distracted, say a few words, get distracted. And you're like, is this even making sense, Lord? Like, do you get what I'm talking about? Um, and I often feel like that when I pray. And this is what it says. It's going to be from the screen as well. It says this. Our Father in heaven doesn't get distracted by our scribbled words and squiggled thoughts. He isn't impressed by the dictionaries and lectionaries we hurl at the sky. Instead, he explores our hearts with infinite affection to discern the kind of day we've had, the way we are feeling, and the weird little obsessions buzzing around our heads like blue bottles in a jar. God's ear hears the heart's voice, said Augustine. We do, we do not know what we ought to pray for, admits the Apostle Paul. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. And that last bit is from Romans 8, verse 26. But I'm so relieved and encouraged that the Spirit translates my prayers, that he knows what's going on, even when I don't have the words to put to it myself, that God is still working anyway. And I don't want my prayer life to go neglected. I want it to continue to grow. I want to water it by spending time with God. And by recognising when it looks a bit dry and not letting it get to that plant that's like outside dying. But recognising when it's on the edge and when I need to find new ways to speak with God. And I've found over the past few weeks that it's also been really helpful to be honest. There's another meme that I found. This is how I feel today. <laughs> me telling others how to have faith in their trial versus me having faith in my own trial. That is how I feel talking about prayer today. But I wanted to be honest with you and talk about how it is a bit of a struggle sometimes. And I went to the furnace, I think it was two weeks ago, and um, during the worship, Luke shared a word, and it really spoke to me. And um, after the worship, I asked Sam and I asked Luke to pray for me. And I just said, guys, I'm really struggling to pray at the moment. I feel like I've got nothing to do it. I feel like I'm doubting my faith, like I don't know what's going on. And they both prayed for me. And the Lord spoke to me so powerfully through them both. And I left the furnace feeling like God knew me, that he loved me, and that he was there even when I was doubting him and struggling with my relationship with him. It's incredible what God does when we're really honest with those in our community and also with him too. So this morning I wanted to encourage you that if you're finding prayer hard, me too. And I go through seasons where it feels really easy and seasons like now where it feels really hard. My encouragement is to not give up, and to, but to trust the Lord hears your heart, even if you can't find the words to pray. And as I wrap up this morning, I want us to remember that when it comes to prayer, personal prayer and corporate prayer, the times when we pray by ourselves and the times when we pray together, they are inseparable, they are so linked, and they fuel each other. So the more time we spend with Jesus by ourselves, that brings fuel to the furnace on Wednesdays. It builds up the rest of those as we meet to pray. But also being at the furnace increases what's going on in your own prayer life. I felt that last week when, when Luke and Sam prayed for me. They both fuel each other. And if we want to be a church on fire that is passionate in prayer, personal prayer and corporate prayer will be the foundation of it. As prayer reminds us constantly of who we serve, it reminds us that we are following a God that loves us and that he is going to use us to do things in our community. We're following his will. It reminds us that we can't do anything of impact without his power and without his grace.
And that to be a church on fire, it starts with me and it starts with you falling in love with God even more, in love with this gracious God who wants to be known by us. And as we close, I want to read this prayer over you. I was reading this book. Well, I've read a bit of it. It's called Richard... It's not called Richard Foster. It's called Prayer by a guy called Richard Foster. Um, and I was reading, a, yeah, a bit about kind of what I've been talking about like when you're struggling, struggling prayer, how to, like, do that. And he written this, he's written this really great prayer. Um, so I'm going to pray it over you guys. If you, maybe if we stand and um, if you close your eyes, and we're going to sing straight after I read this prayer. So the prayer says this. It says, O Lord, my Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The Pleiades and the Orion sing your praise. Sparrows and chickadees mimic their song. All creation seems in harmony with you, the master conductor. All that is except me. Why? Why do I alone want to sing my own melody? I certainly am a stubborn creature. Forgive me. I do desire to come into harmony with you more fully and more often. I do desire a fellowship that is constant and sustaining. Please nurture this desire of mine, which seems so small and tentative right now. May I someday become like the trees which are planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. For Jesus' sake, amen.